When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, welcome on into the PHNX Arizona Wildcat postgame show. It is sponsored by DraftKings, America's number one sports book with the legendary John Schuster. I am Ben White, not to fear Mike Luke is out for tonight, but he will be back with you next week. Uh, we're going to break down all your comments, talking about Arizona's 95-72 to 72 win over the Washington Huskies up in a frisked uh, Seattle, Washington today, Schuster. Uh, a, a game where we obviously have a lot to unpack, but really a game where if you were watching the second half, Arizona just ran away with this one. It's kind of the good uh, version of unpacking as opposed to the frustrating version of unpacking that offensively we've seen for most of the 2023 portion of the campaign, uh, especially after the first 10 minutes of the game. Remember, at one point, Washington was up 22-14 in this matchup. And then Arizona controlled the last 30 minutes, do absolutely dominated the second half. Uh, the combination of Tabellus and Ballo both scored uh, 20 points or more. And uh, Carissa was hot from the outside, which aided in Arizona's offense. And Ramey, who missed his first five three-pointers, converted, I think, on something like five of his next six. Arizona had a uh, had a just completely dismantled Washington's zone and it was and they did it by virtue of ball movement and an understanding of how to approach it and frankly this was a coaching and a player clinic after Arizona kind of got comfortable uh after the first 10 minutes and it was a welcome sight I think for Wildcat fans uh to see Arizona once again score in an area that we've become a little bit more accustomed with Tommy Lloyd finished with 95 as opposed to a lot of games we've seen this year where the cats have been in the 60s yeah i mean we've seen it the last three or four games arizona in the 50s and 60s against some of these other teams like usc ucla where you know they really predicate their game on slowing things down and arizona was just able to get things going and um you know you, you hit the nail on the head with Ballo and uh tubelis in the middle but you know, I thought somebody who really is going to get a lot of attention here and and somebody who we definitely have a love-hate relationship with times, you know, the offense kind of flows through them from a backcourt standpoint. But that's somebody tonight's shoe was Kirk Risa. He was exceptional today. Uh, and, 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 and that's kind of what Arizona needs to do. Now, most teams aren't going to play Arizona uh, with a zone like this. And based on today's performance, I'm not sure Arizona's going to see another zone for the rest of the year. Uh, this was, uh, and Carissa was a benefactor of that. And again, later in the game, so was uh, Ramey. 
uh, when Arizona was able to control action on the inside by the ball movement that it utilized, then that allowed for opportunistic kickoff, uh, kickbacks from uh, Tabellus and occasionally from Vallow and good ball movement, and Carissa benefited. And when he got hot, Arizona was able to get into a rhythm, which is what this offense relies on. And in the half court, they were extraordinary tonight. Yeah, and I think you see it too, um, you know, from an assist standpoint, Creesa had six, obviously leads the conference in assist. And, you know, I, I, I think he's one of those guys where, you know, we, we watch him over what he's done the last couple of years. And from a shooting perspective, it, it's very hot or cold. He, he's either making a lot of shots or he's missing a lot of shots. But he definitely had moments, especially there in the second half, where um, you saw him have to come in and out just due to foul trouble. I believe he had four fouls at one point in the second half. But this offense, you know, as much as it does run inside through those two guys, if Crease is not in the backcourt facilitating things down the court, you do tend to see a, a drop off and a difference just because, as we've talked about, you know, these Arizona guards are are all trying to mesh in their own unique way. Ramey, Henderson, a lot of different guys we're going to get to will also take your comments. But Kreese is just one of those guys who makes a difference. And I think you saw it tonight with the way he played from a shooting perspective and the way he distributed uh, distributed the ball as well. So, Shu, have I talked about uh, the Four Peaks Brewery? Have you ever heard of the Four Peaks? You know, I've. you have a much better voice and more impressive delivery than what I feel like I've heard uh, when I've heard Four Peaks mentioned in the past. So I don't know if you could continue with it, but I'm definitely looking forward to more information. All right. Well, friends, the Four Peaks Brewery, um, not to be confused with the four U of A big men that we constantly talked about on this show, but the Four Peaks Brewery, it is the official brew of PH and Exports. Uh, you can check them out at their downtown Tempe location or in Tucson at the Tap and Bottle Watch Parties. That is downtown. That is your go-to spot for away U of A games. I know we've got a lot of those uh, to get going uh, here come um, in the next two months or so before the Pac-12 tournament. So, that is the place where you want to be uh, for all of that. And then on top of that, more furniture, not M that's M O R furniture um, re reamped entire PHNX studios. If you're looking for a place this fall or this spring, excuse me, maybe you're like John Schuster in that you want to place replace your entire living room set. More furniture can be the place that helps you do that. Check them out their website and check them out locally at the store as well. Looks amazing. Great prices on furniture for everyone. So um, get on in here. We're seeing the comments and uh, something that Lost Highway says, and I think that's something that we touched on a little bit earlier uh, to lead off the show is finally looking back to the way, you know, Arizona played kind of in that first stretch of the season against Maui, where you're seeing this U of A team get up and down the court. You're seeing them score 80 to 90 points a game. And obviously we see that with 95 points a game. I think it's fair at this point. Well, we've seen Arizona win games in different ways and definitely play to an opponent's uh, uh, way of playing. For example, you know, the UCLA game is perfect. The USC game as well. But, you know, there's no doubt that this team shoe is most comfortable when they're able to score 89, 89. Yeah. When, 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 when things move well on the offensive end, uh, you know, Arizona was uh, and it, it's nice to see. And I think the fans rightfully like it as well. And I think this is the area where Arizona is a heck of a lot more comfortable. It's more than likely if Arizona, you know, has problems in the NCAA tournament, it's going to be because we see one of these games where they score in the 60s. If Arizona's up into the 80s and 90s, uh, other teams are going to have uh, a difficult time with their success. But. 
I'm not at a point where I'm ready to anoint Arizona as the great offensive juggernaut again, because while this was an excellent game where they tore to shreds a unique defense that they had seen one time earlier this year, there there are a lot of other teams that just aren't going to play Arizona like this, and they've had relative success in that capacity. And I think one of the things the teams have approached against Arizona is that uh, they know that Arizona is going to just try to pound it inside and then see what Tabellus and Ballo can do. But they're not terribly concerned with Arizona's ability on the perimeter to drive and dish. And, and so, a lot, so, so a lot of the man-to-man game plan is stay in front of your guy and stay with your guy. What's frustrated me with that approach is that Arizona, I don't think, has moved particularly well without the basketball, which was a staple of the first year and a half of what the Cats were doing. Uh, and I think that's something they have to try significantly, be significantly more committed to uh, when they come up against a man-to-man defense that they're going to see on, on a more regular basis. Today against the zone, their strategy was perfect. They got they moved the ball beautifully. They moved without the ball very well. They knew where it was on the floor they wanted to be, extended the floor well enough to spread out Washington's zone, and then exploited it with Ballo and more often than that to Bellis at about the foul line, who usually had an open 13-footer. And if somebody collapsed on him, then you had an open guy on the inside, and that combination worked very well. And it worked well because Arizona opened the floor in the half court and then had perimeter guys moving without the ball. Uh, so if you watch the way they play today, the number of passes that they delivered on the offensive end was probably, it felt like three or four times more than we've seen in a lot of these games where they've scored 60. And it wasn't that Arizona had more possessions today or that Arizona was forcing things by virtue of good defense that led to transition points. It was that Arizona moved quickly, knew how it wanted to attack that defense and was perfectly successful doing it. The next step now is can Arizona do that against the man-to-man defenses that it's going to see on a more consistent basis? Yeah, that's huge. And I think when you look back to when these two teams played originally um, a few weeks ago, Washington kind of did incorporate a little bit more man, you know, along with their traditional zone. But that's what we've talked about throughout the season. I mean, obviously there's more positives than negatives to get here to tonight. But when it comes to Arizona's offense, a couple of things that I wonder and, you know, something that I think they need to address is those stagnant times where it's either Creesa or it's somebody in the backcourt facilitating the offense. And there's just moments where it seems like there's a lot of standing around. And I don't think it's because guys are uninterested or guys don't know what to do, but it just seems like, you know, this team's MO is obviously assist and passing, but it just seems like there are times against teams that play a little bit more man and have a little bit more um, ability in the backcourt. There's just that stagnant stretch where, why are we overthinking this? Let's set up a screen. Let's get the ball inside to Balo and Tubelis. And to your point, we need to see more of that. Um, today's game wasn't a great example just because I thought they were able to do that pretty effectively. But moving forward, that's got to be a big concern for sure. Yeah, and again, and one of the things, and, and and forgive me in advance, uh, one of the commenters uh, mentioned this, uh, I think after the Washington State game, that he was really comfortable with Lloyd and the coaching staff seeing a team a second time and and hammering home necessary adjustments to give Arizona a better opportunity based on the scouting report and understanding how to attack a team after they faced them the first time and maybe things didn't go 
quite as well. And it was clearly successful against Washington State. It was phenomenally successful today. Uh, but again, what they were committed to on the offensive end, it, it looked like if you believe in basketball surgery, this was that kind of game on the offensive end. After, again, the first 10 minutes where things were slow and Arizona looked a little out of whack, they cleaned it up and then just dominated. And Washington had no answer defensively. They couldn't try to sort of half-ass the man-to-man. That wasn't working. Their zone just had no chance. And Arizona did what it needs to do in those situations and was successful when it had open three opportunities. It made them. Carissa played a huge role today in allowing Arizona to get uh, consistency not just on the interior with the huge numbers with two guys scoring 20, but also giving Arizona the uh, perimeter boost that it needs. I'm not sure how long it's been, and I don't have numbers in front of me because I'm too lazy to pull up this thing called the internet and look, but it seems like uh, Arizona's three-point success, this is probably among their better performances that we've seen this year. And if the Cats do that sort of thing, then the opposition's going to have a lot of problems. But in the man-to-man, Ben, to me, the I think one of the keys to this is Larson. As frustrating to fans as that might sound, Larson is the best player, I think, for Arizona on the perimeter of moving without the ball. And if Arizona, if teams approach Arizona in a way that says, we don't think you can beat us off the dribble, then Arizona has to do other things to get openings, get involved, move the ball around. And this is where the stagnation frustration has come into play. So If you can't beat your man off the dribble, you've got to beat him away from the ball. And Larson, to me, feels like a guy who might have the commitment necessary to be able to do that on a regular basis. And as we saw today, if you're using this as an example, there were a number of times where Larson got into the right spot on the floor and Arizona took a five-on-five half-court situation and basically turned it into a two-on-one, and then you're dead meat. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, you know, Back to your point with the guards, I think it's a critical point in that Arizona just doesn't have that, you know, athletic, traditional pro NBA style guy that, you know, they had three of last year. So if you're Arizona's guards, you've got to find a way to disrupt the opposition. And the way that Arizona has done that this year is by getting into passing lanes, forcing turnovers. We knew going into this game, Washington, one of their cons was just turnovers. They, they're a team that turns it over, you know, 10 plus times a game easily. And they were able to force 12 tonight. And I thought they were timely turnovers in the sense that somebody like Henderson comes in, somebody like Boswell comes in. They they get into a passing lane. They make the smart pass to uh, Tabalo to get the bucket or they, you know, force the turnover and, and make the strategic shot themselves. So if those guards can get going and be more strategic and know that they have to come in and do more than just score points, I think Arizona is going to be in a pretty good spot. Let's talk about the DraftKings Sportsbook, code word PHNX. Let's say that you're looking around tonight um, at some of these NBA games and you want to lay down a, a bet. You know, John Schuster's favorite NBA team to bet against is the Detroit Pistons. So that would be a, uh, a live bet right now because they're in the second half. But oh. if, you, if you wanted to bet on the Pistons and uh, what they've got going on over there with Dwayne Casey, check out the show notes. Use code uh, promo code word PHNX. Make your first deposit of $5. And then what happens after that? Magic happens. You get $200 in free bets. Did you hear me? $200 Ooh. in free bets instantly. So you can make some money. Bet the teams you like, and then use that money a little bit later to get into some shenanigans. Like I know John Schuster will be. Uh, there will be Saturday shenanigans, uh-huh, especially after that uh, successful live bet with the Pistons. 
Absolutely. Getting in your uh, comments here, Arizona over Washington, 95 to 72. Um, Another thing I thought, just looking at the way that this game unfolded in the second half is we talked about the guard play. Um, We talked about Tubelas and Balo. Well, I think that Balo had a, a fantastic game and he obviously finished with 21 points and 12 rebounds. I don't know. And we've talked about this shoe, if it's an injury thing or if it's just kind of the stagnant offense point we were just making, but he had 21 points. I think the majority of them came in the second half. Well, actually he had about nine in the first half, but it just seems like it seems like he can be doing more out there and it's not a knock at him. It's a, it's a good problem to have, but don't you get the sense sometimes that Arizona just needs to kind of run their offense for, through him from the get go. And it just seems like today there was, a little bit of that missing, especially to start the game. But, you know, beyond that, no complaints. But Ball is just one of those guys. It was a, a quiet 21 and 12, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Which is hard to imagine for somebody of his size. Right. Uh, but, but, but he was a difference maker once he got kind of comfortable with, I think, the athleticism across from him. It's one of those things that we've talked about as well. And, and, and it came up in conversation the other night with Washington State uh, that, Sometimes uh, we saw it in in the Oregon game against Dante. We saw it against Washington. We saw it against Washington State that when you have an explosive uh, inside guy uh, going up against Ballo, that that can sometimes be a little, the athleticism issue can be a little difficult for him. But once he was able to stabilize things, he creates such a problem on the other end. Uh, and and ultimately, I still believe he's the most important player on Arizona's team because he complements Tabellus so well. Yeah. Tabellus is Arizona's best player, but you can negate the advantage that Tabellus has and the advantage that Arizona has with two scoring bigs if Ballo isn't at his best or is a little off for some reason. Uh, and uh, But once he gets acclimated, Again, as he did today, uh, then then it's it's a big problem for a lot of other teams. And I think that's that's the real benefit that Arizona has. And if you paid attention to a fair amount of college basketball, just look up at the rosters on a number of these teams, a number of these good teams, teams that have two scoring bigs like Arizona are a rarity. And 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 it's nice when you go into the tournament if you have a distinct advantage. The good news here, and we talk about this from an Arizona perspective on a you know a fair amount. Uh, you know, last year Arizona struggles against uh, athletic teams that have good wings that could put pressure on you on the perimeter and so on and so forth. And that very well uh, figures to maybe be an issue in the tournament this year as well. And it has but this the, year, yeah. But 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 from the other perspective. How many teams that Arizona is going to see in the NCAA tournament have bigs like the U of A and have been able to play against bigs like the U of A? So it's one thing to be able to scout what it is you want to do. It's another to see it in front of you and be able to actually deal with it. And I think, uh, you know, this this may be a turn your uh, turn the tables situation, depending on how successful Arizona is on the tournament, as opposed to Arizona seeing matchup problems. It's every bit of a possibility that Arizona's going to be the matchup problem, but it needs Ballon and it needs Cabela's to help out in that regard. Yeah, I mean, just looking at it from a statistic perspective, I mean, the third time on the season, third time, I mean, we're not even in February that Tubelas and Ballo have both recorded double doubles in the same game. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that's you absolutely just, nuts. You just don't see that around college basketball. And I think you're right on the head in the, in the sense that we get against, you know, teams like Washington that show a little bit more athleticism up front. Um, you know, 
come down the stretch in, in the Pac-12 tournament and, and the NCAA tournament, it feels like Arizona is one of those teams where you're going to get what you get from Balo and obviously Tabellus. But the difference between Arizona winning, say, you know, 75 to, to 68 and Arizona winning, you know, 87 to 69 is is I feel like that guard play. And that's a good problem to have if you're Arizona at this point. And you look across the board, somebody like Courtney Ramey, we've talked a lot about over the last two weeks, Shu, 14 points tonight, four for 10 from uh, three, very key shots, very timely shots. And this is somebody who Arizona has really groomed from that guard spot. And they're definitely a regular contributor now. Yeah, they had at least, the Cats had at least four players in double figures tonight. Uh, the two on the inside and two on the perimeter. And that's the kind of balance uh, that you need. And again, offensively, they definitely showed. I think they what scored some, some, some like 55 mid to high fifties in the second half. Uh, so, you know, so Washington just had no answer and Arizona got into the kind of flow that it needs. And this is, this is one of those things where the stand around nature of what Arizona, I think was doing and hopefully can limit doing as the season moves along uh, is something uh, to pay attention to. And, and the other thing, a, sim a simple number, and this was a Lute Olson statistic, is that on possessions in the half court offensively, Olson believed that the difference between two passes and three passes and your efficiency on the offensive end was significant. It looks to me sometimes like this team, uh, and you talked about this a few moments ago, Ben, is that uh, Arizona comes down the court, wants to uh, establish Tabellis and Ballo on the inside, and the guards uh, make the entry pass and then just kind of stand around on the perimeter to see if Tabellus and Ballo are going to score. And then go down the other way, hopefully play some defense, uh, get a stop, come back the other way and do exactly the same thing. And it's basically a one-pass offense. Sometimes that's fine. If you got an advantage with a guy on the inside, you take advantage of that. And, and I get the reasoning for Arizona trying to establish something. But ball movement is a big deal for this team. And it was successful for Arizona in the first portion of the campaign. It's been leveled off a lot in Pac-12 play. I'm sorry, Pac-X play. And uh, today was, I think, their best performance in conference in terms of the unselfishness that we've come to expect. And hopefully that's something that in addition to trying to be a little quicker in the half court, Arizona's also got a little bit more motion, a little bit more willing uh, to just make a pass. And the more you move the ball around, the greater likelihood that you're going to get a better look. Yeah. And you, and you saw it tonight. I mean, it, Washington stuck with the zone and I was a little bit surprised in the sense that you didn't see much adjustment from Mike Hopkins in the second half. It just felt like Arizona was able to hit the gas running with, with that outside shot. And there just wasn't much, much of an adjustment from there. And uh, looking at some of the comments, I think a BTH hits the nail on the head, right? Just what we were talking about today. Today was a reminder of what Arizona can be. If Tubelas and Balo, and the guards all show up at the same night, right? You know, four guys in double figures can't ask much more than that. Let's talk about Tap and Bottle, a regular spot that we talk about on this show. It is the official watch party spot of all of the University of Arizona away football games and a select few basketball games. John Schuster is definitely a uh, popular celebrity who makes his way down there. Check it out. Tapandbottle.com uh, is the website. And then head down in downtown Tucson. They're on 403 North 6th Avenue. TVs, great beer, and basketball shoe. What more can you ask for, my friend? 
uh, maybe Mountain Mike's Pizza, which I hear occasionally uh, happens to pop up there as well. So in addition to going to Mountain Mike's at Oracle and Wetmore, the Tucson location, if you happen to be in Tucson on the watch party days, uh, that pizza is available there, too. That's a that's a that's moving the ball around. Uh, and that's uh, moving your palate around, too. Well done. Uh, well done across the board for Tappan Bottle and Mountain Mike's. And in the broadcasting world, when it comes to Mountain Mike's, that's what we call a tease. And more to come on that oh, later. I cannot wait. <laughs> Arizona over Washington today, 95 to 72. Uh, hanging out with you, taking your comments. Um, you know, looking at a couple of other things. I, I think that, you know, we've talked about, obviously, the guard play. We've talked about the big shoe. But when you look at this team holistically and just the way that they rebound the ball, you know, tonight the final score, you know, the final score box, you know, shows 39 to 28 Arizona in the boards, but is there room for improvement in the sense that I think somebody like Balo is just an absolute animal out there, but there feel there's feel we feel like times where despite that he had a double double, that you just want to see more aggression or does it go back to the athleticism thing where we talked about earlier, where it's just harder for these guys to kind of get going in motion when you're going up against longer and more athletic bigs. What are your thoughts just on the, the bigs and the rebounding struggles we saw for a little bit of the first half? Not much. Yeah. And, and, and then Arizona did an excellent job curtailing that. And I think the way to curtail that for this team is that your wings are responsible for doing a better job blocking out. And even if they don't necessarily get the rebounds, then hopefully that helps uh, Tabellus and Ballo be able to clean up the, you know, boards a little bit more effectively. There are teams out there, and certainly Arizona's seen some of them, and uh, there are others uh, across the country as well who like the idea of just going five hard to the glass. And what a lot of that does, especially in terms of offensive possessions, is gives inconsistent offensive teams second and third opportunities, and hopefully eventually the offense comes. Or more opportunities you get, the more chances you have, obviously, to make uh, a bucket. What I think Arizona's strategy, generally speaking, is, and I'm still not convinced that, or, or, or I'm still a little perplexed by how Arizona plays defense as well as it does based on the roster that it has. And there's a concern with me that uh, a lot of this is that while they face a lot of athletic teams in this conference, they also face a lot of athletic teams in this conference that have a consistent struggle point, and that's offense. They're, they're not consistent on the offensive end of the floor. So I think Arizona's strategy, generally speaking, is something like this. Uh, okay, play well in the half court as well as you can. Keep your guy in front of you. You're going to switch like this, uh, and then get the rebound. Uh, what sometimes happens early in games, it seems, is the teams are hot from three-point range. And then it feels like, oh, man, Arizona can't play uh, defense particularly well. This could be a problem. But then I think there's a belief that there's going to be a regression to the mean and that Arizona's size is going to help it do a good enough job on the glass that it's going to limit those second possession opportunities, those third possession opportunities, those fourth possession opportunities. And eventually inconsistent teams are going to be inconsistent on the offensive end. Arizona is going to be able to, you know, hold its weight reasonably well and be uh, relatively successful. The question is what happens when a team does get hot and is hot for 30 or 40 minutes? Uh, how problematic can that, that be for uh, the U of A? And, you know, the Oregon game was an interesting one up in Eugene where, you know, Arizona, which is a team we've been talking about the last, um, you know, month or so now uh, about, well, you know, the Cats gave up 
50 and 32% shooting and the cats gave up in the low sixties and 35% shooting. And the cats gave up this number, you know, numbers in the fit really good. Even tonight, they gave up 72 points, which is when you score 95 and win by 23, it's an excellent number. Sure. But what did Oregon put on them? 85 or something like that. Uh, and, and Oregon was the type of team that had everything going its way. And once the threes worked and then once Dante worked and then, you know, Arizona was kind of trying to figure out what it was it was supposed to be able to accomplish and Oregon just hit him with something else. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a little leery about how good Arizona ultimately is on the defensive end. But the key, I th- the, the biggest key to Arizona defensively, I think, is to be able to get rebounds and limit offensive rebounding opportunities and generally speaking this year the cats have done a really good job with that let's talk about game time one of the fastest rising ticketing apps uh, across the country let's say that you're trying to go to the McHale center you know we've got an hour before tip-off you're trying to get in you couldn't find a ticket you maybe don't know where to go that's where game time comes in download the app in the ios or android store 60% off up to 60% off last minute tickets for games concerts anything you name it it could be a u of a game it could be an nhl game i, ch- I checked out a uh, nba game the other week with the clippers and it could be uh you know a concert an artist that nobody's ever heard of outside of john schuster anything and everything game time has it check it out download the app the link is in the description as well and i think the one thing too that you know you take away out of what we said there when it comes to arizona and just the opponents they've seen and maybe some of some of the offensive lacks that we've seen against teams, you know, outside of Oregon, especially in conference play is when Arizona finds itself in these situations, is that margin of error, I guess, widening in the sense that, you know, Arizona gives up a stretch, you know, of 10 to 12 points. They go down by double digits. And we saw that against Oregon. And in most spots, whether it was the Washington State game, whether it was the Oregon game, while this team is is a second-half team for sure, there have been times where Arizona has had a really tough time recovering. And offensively, as efficient as they are, it just feels like there are stretches that we've seen this season where I don't know if it's a confidence thing, I don't know if it's an experience thing, just because we have some younger players. But Arizona doesn't necessarily feel like the team, you know, come NCAA tournament time where if they get down 10, 12 points, I'm not so confident, you know, beyond that initial round that they can get back in that game, if that makes any sense. It it does, but I'm not. I don't know if you and I necessarily land on the same side of the fence here. Uh, and, and, and I think a lot of this has more to do with the general nature of college basketball and uh, relative inconsistency across the game than it does with a situation where Arizona might be down and doesn't have a chance to get back. There, the, the game as a whole fluctuates a lot as a result of teams uh, shooting a lot more threes. So if you have three possessions where you nail three threes, all of a sudden you're either opening a lead or you're back in the game. Uh, and teams can do that uh, on a fairly regular basis. It's not the way that Arizona's uh, built, but... You know, if the Wildcats get things going in the open floor, keep pounding it on the inside, they can be just fine. Uh, a lot of a, a lot of the issue and a lot of teams attempt to play Arizona, and it's understandable. Teams want to keep Arizona in front of them. Uh, they 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 want to one of the scouting top things on the scouting report. Tabellus isn't going to beat us down the floor. Uh, his the number of offensive opportunities in the fast break that he's gotten the last four or five weeks 
and certainly at the beginning of Pac X play is significantly less than he had in in the non-conference matchups because coaches go into their scouting report against Arizona saying the first thing you do to Bellis is not beating you down the floor for an easy bucket. And, and then once that happens, the rest of it is if you don't get the rebound, get back, stay in front of Arizona, make them play a half court game. And it's been sometimes reasonably successful again, to the point where other stuff has happened. Like I, I believe Arizona in its backcourt is stagnant. And then when it gets stagnant, they start to miss three pointers the rhythm is lost, and as easy as it is to have rhythm in college basketball, it's just as easy to lose it. So, again, what I'm hoping for uh, from the from Arizona at this point on, from a perimeter perspective, is a lot more commitment in terms of moving the ball and moving without the ball. Because I think if they do that, then the inside game, which is already strong, goes a long way toward taking care of itself. Because Arizona's going to have to win in the half court. They're built to win in the half court. But their inconsistency has been backcourt players more or less doing what we're doing. We're allowed to watch the game. You're not. You're supposed to be playing. And playing is is passing and moving without the basketball in the half court. Yeah, and I think we get to a point, too, in the regular season where obviously this game helps a ton. And then, you know, I think you're at a point where you're a little bit more comfortable with somebody like Henderson, somebody like Ramey Boswell, just incorporating these different guys. And, you know, Creasa is that steady guy, you know, whether it's assist, whether it's points, he's going to be hot, he's going to be cold, but he shows up every day and he facilitates Arizona's offense. He gets the ball inside. He makes things happen from the outside. And as long as Arizona can replicate that and keep doing what they're doing, they're going to be, I think, okay, you know, yeah. come come March. But again, yeah, I, they're going to be, I'm, 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 you know, it's it's wait. The thing you're trying to speculate here, you know, obviously you want your team to get better. You want them to start getting to the point where they're really, quote, peaking at the right time, which for Arizona and everybody else is around mid-February. And then you try to use that as a way to give you the best opportunity in the NCAA tournament. Before then and during that point, what you're trying to do is win a bunch of games to improve your resume and get a high uh, favorable seed because the favorable seed obviously gives you a better opportunity to move through the tournament and a better opportunity that stuff lower than you. You might get some upsets here and there. Uh, so, you know, there, there are a, a variety of logical reasons why more favorable seeds have better success in the tournament from they're better teams to uh, they have they, they create matchup difficulties to sometimes the rest of the bracket below them blows up uh, where there are some upsets and other things that you can't uh, necessarily predict when you're laying this thing out. All of that's a, a, a crapshoot. But to me, the best game that we've seen from Arizona in a style that they're going to face on a consistent basis is and, and 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 again, it's great. I'll tangentiate here. It's great that Arizona beat UCLA in a game that was scored in the fifties. It's great that Arizona was able to grind out a W against Washington State. It's great that you know the they were able to hold off ASU in a game where they scored sixty nine points. But the best Arizona game to me since just before, since you know, in the last five or so weeks, was that game against Tennessee at McHale. Because that game, in that matchup, Arizona scored, I think, 85 points against 75. The, 75. Okay, good number. 75 points against a, in a half-court game. Yep. Because teams, again, are going to scout Arizona to try to stop them from running. But what that means is that Arizona has to be quick, efficient, move the ball, and move without the ball. And if they can do that, 
they have enough unselfishness and good passers on the roster that they can find mismatches and score. And they were successful uh, with that against Tennessee. And that's the model that I'd like to see them incorporate on a more consistent basis. Tennessee's a man-to-man team. Washington today, again, as great and surgical and clinical as a, from, from a coaching standpoint, from a scouting report standpoint, from a Bret Hart excellence in execution standpoint, uh, this was a great game for Wildcats to watch. Arizona dominated the second half. They were always in control. They were always smarter. They knew what it was they wanted to do. But Washington runs a gimmick defense, and Arizona tore that gimmick defense apart. Most teams that face Arizona are going to try to keep Arizona in front of them and play man-to-man. And now it's up to Arizona, knowing how teams are going to work against them, to be more effective in the half court offensively. And how do they go about it? Well, you know, the, the variations that we just laid off. They have to have moving commitment in the backcourt. It's less about Tabellus and less about Ballo because they're going to post up and be able to move around on the inside a little bit. But it's what does Creesa do? What does Ramey do? How does Larson do it? What does Henderson do? What does Boswell do with the ball and moving without the ball to give Arizona opportun- as good a number of opportunities in the half court as they can possibly get? And we're going to talk about what that test will look like for Arizona next week. But first... Mountain Mike's Pizza, we talked about it a few minutes ago, the Tap and Bottle Watch Parties, a place where you can get Mountain Mike's, and you know where else you can get Mountain Mike's Pizza there in Tucson? Their new location, Oracle and Wetmore, the best pizza in town. Grab yourself a pizza, grab yourself a slice, and watch some good U of A basketball. So uh, speaking of what we were just talking about, John Schuster, looking ahead to Oregon next week, what a better team to test what you were just hinting at there. Uh, that's it's, it's an ideal test. Uh, you know, and a lot of folks are rightfully concerned about Oregon's ability to, for, you know, that Oregon quote unquote has Arizona's number, whatever that means. And however that works out, a lot of that has to do with over the few years where Oregon is at Arizona's number, Oregon's been a better basketball team too. Uh, this year, Arizona should have the ability to compete. They clearly did not compete effectively up there. And while their run in the Northwest was obviously successful, they lost the game at Washington State against McHale. Washington kind of had them on the ropes for a while at McHale. Uh, they were able to uh, you know, successfully uh, get those games back. The Arizona matchup against Oregon uh, becomes very interesting because Oregon, uh, Oregon runs into the same problems with a lot of the, these other teams phenomenal athleticism and Dante is a beast and Ballo could have real problems in that sort of situation. But other than the game with Arizona, Oregon, Oregon's point guard play, I think is still largely uncertain. And as a result of the uncertainty, they're inconsistent on the offensive end still. Now, Dana Altman is probably the best coach in the country at, at, at taking a team molding clay and turning them into a viable problematic, uh, product from November until March. So there's reason to believe that Oregon's going to be an excellent test, but we'll see if Arizona can implement some of these different things, approach things uh, in a more effective way, and we'll see how well the offense performs. They they certainly have an excellent opportunity, and and it's right in front of you. You're right, Ben. This is a great matchup for Arizona to see if they're really taking positive steps. 
Absolutely. Well, I appreciate everybody jumping in. The great Mike Luke will be back with you tomorrow on the PHNX Wildcat podcast, breaking it all down. We'll be back with you next week when Arizona takes on Oregon. For John Schuster, I'm Ben White. Thanks to Sean Lopez running everything behind the scenes there at PHNX. You've been listening and watching the PHNX Wildcat postgame show.